hard work every day Not an easy mom, got no time to play Always on the go, you stuck on the flow But it's time for the show What up, what up, what up everybody What's going on? Look at Chris smiling like he was <laughs> Look, I've got some complaints on social media Where people was like, your husband does not want to be there I'm like, yeah he does, he would rather be watching football But I need his input so he better show up and be happy and put a smile on his face. And show look at up that. and show out. That's right. Yeah. I, I got to be honest. When I saw him smile, I smiled. I'm like, wow. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you came correct. Oh, so exciting. Listen, I'm really excited because we have a special guest today. And I want to get right to it because I don't want to waste any time. So Ali and I were on Wind Down Wednesday a few weeks ago. And we talked about a little bit about generational wealth. And everyone was like, y'all need to do a topic on your podcast about this. So we're going to do a whole series on generational wealth. And today we're talking about finance 101. So some of the questions we're going to answer uh, in our session today are how good are you with your finances? How difficult or easy is the road to financial freedom? Have you ever had in money a money aha moment where you learn to be more responsible with your wealth? Are you a person whose finger starts itching every time you get your paycheck? <laughs> How do you accumulate accumulate wealth and understand the value of a dollar if you come from a background where you were never taught how to save money or be responsible with it? Do you look at moneyness, a uh, moneyness? Oh my God, I'm so excited today! I can't even talk. Moneyness <laughs> too. Moneyness, yes, that's the word of the week. Moneyness. Do you look at at money as happiness or means to an end? Finally, how can you change your mindset about money and true wealth? So we had to bring on an expert today. So let me tell you, we about to pop her right on in the stream. It's Buffy Purcell. <laughs> yes. We're excited to have Buffy with us today. Buffy Purcell is the author of Crawl Before You Ball and is a nationally recognized personal finance and tax expert seen on HLN, CNN, and CNBC. And you may also remember her from Bravo's Married to Medicine. What's going on, Buffy? Hey, girl. Hey, hey, Chris. Hey, hey how are you doing? Hey. <laughs> we are so excited to have you on today because you not only are you fabulous, you know all things about a coin. Yes. Coins that wire. Yes. <laughs> I, listen, I love when you said, uh, you said wealth whispers. Yeah, money, jingle jangles, and screams. So we're gonna we're gonna get right into it because I have so many questions, and I really want to know how did you become who you are? How did you become financially free mentally? Did you like did you grow up in a household where your parents kind of had it together and they taught you, or is it something that you had to go through in your uh younger adult life or teenage years or what have you that taught you to be how responsible you are with your finances and able to share that wisdom with other entrepreneurs? First, I want to thank you all for allowing me to be here today. I never miss your podcast, and I encourage others to subscribe today. <laughs> But, but yes, it's a very good question. I was blessed to come from a family of accountants and engineers and people who are very good at math. Um, I am closest to my grandmother, who was a sharecropper, actually. And she was so good at math that she kept the books for the landowner <laughs> that they were leasing the land from. And all the she kept the books for him for everybody that was a sharecropper from him that, you know, she would correct and be like, nope, bro, this, you know, we don't owe you that much. And she got them out of that situation, bought a whole bunch of land, put up trailers, rented them out to people and got them out of a sharecropping situation. And so my grandmother was the original serial entrepreneur and I learned from her. Wow, that is amazing. Mm -hmm. So I guess. You for a living, this is what you do. You actually consult with people who are trying to become business owners. You consult with people so that they're able to come up with a plan, brand their companies the right way, um, be able to invest in their companies the right way. Can you tell us and tell the listeners for a person who may not have a lot of money and they want to branch out and start their own uh, dream business? Does it take a lot of money to start that? Or what is the first step that you would say a person should take if they're trying to go on that journey? Invest in yourself. Mm -hmm. So you've got to start saving. And everybody thinks that that's a bad word, but it's not. 
And don't leave a job until you are ready to create your new job for yourself. A lot of people will get fed up and just quit and have no resources to take care of their family or themselves. And that's just a bad way to set yourself up for failure when you start a small business. Mm. Um, you know, all these books and doing a business plan, business plans are for banks. Child. Ain't nobody running a business plan. <laughs> And if you, unless you're trying to go get money from a bank, don't worry about that. But if you are really, you know, passionate about what it is that you want to do and you somebody that's going to really work hard and make sure that it happens and you got your money in order and it doesn't take a lot. I started my first business with four hundred ninety nine dollars and I used to answer it because my family was mad at me because I dropped out of college my senior year because I was making my money in my professors with all my side hustles. And so. <laughs> So my family cut me off financially. Yes, I do come from a family of means. And they were like, you ain't getting no more money. And so I, I set up all these businesses. And I used to, I started with $499. And I used to answer the phone like I was the manager or the receptionist and the cleaning crew. And you just do what you have to do to make it work. And if you're somebody that has that type of constitution, you can do anything you want. Because ain't nothing special about me except my name. That's it. That's right. Wow. That's amazing. No, and I can totally relate. Um, I had a very similar experience. I was in college. I, I felt like everything that I had did up until that point was to put a smile on my parents' faces. Yep. And I really wanted to just like stop what I was doing, pursue a career in music. And mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm young. I need to do it now. I need to do it while, you know, I don't have any kids. I'm not married. And I really wanted to go on this journey. So when I decided to leave college, I had a full academic scholarship. My parents were not happy. My yeah, he, he, cut, he cut us off. Yeah, was sending us money, paying for the car note and everything mm -hmm. else. It was like, you <laughs> said <laughs> <laughs> you were selling candy and everything, right? Oh, I was always a hustler. Always a hustler. Me too. <laughs> I, yeah. always, I started doing hair in my home in yes. seventh grade. Yes. So yes. I was taking some of my cousin's clients by accident. So I would do my mom's hair and they'd be like, oh, who did your hair? And she's like, oh, my daughter. So they'd be like, oh, wait, how much? Let me, is her? Let me book her. <laughs> I was writing papers for people. Whoops. <laughs> you know, there too. I, I, I was the person paying for them papers. <laughs> you made, Monique, you made an interesting comment because you're associating like hustling and getting a job and stuff with also saving. But for me personally, like, you know, I made flyers and passed them out in the neighborhood as a kid. As soon as I could start babysitting, I worked at a grocery store and ice cream shop and stuff. So I was all about the hustling for jobs, but where my family did a disservice is they never taught me about saving. And yeah. so, I mean, I remember it wasn't until I met my now husband and he opened my eyes and was like, you're terrible with money. Yeah. Where does your money go? Where is it going? He would do my taxes and he'd be like, wait, you made this much, but you have literally nothing in your savings. So I feel like, you know, Buffy, as you're talking like about merging the two, like really realizing how important it is to save. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel like, well, I barely have any money left after I pay all my bills. So right. how in the world am I going to start saving? And when I take on new clients, I force them to do this very laborious, very painful. That's all part of my secret mix. <laughs> a project of going through their last three months bank statements and cash receipts. And I forced them to categorize every expense into a need or a want, mm. which is very difficult for people. And then once we get to the end and we talk, we total up all the wants, I'm like, well, there's your savings, honey, right there. Oh, no, I was just going to say my husband tells me to do that. And the thought of it is so intimidating and see and and it's almost like you don't want to look at yourself in the mirror like you don't want to admit how obvious it is. Yeah. And people beat themselves up, but we all do it. Like, I mean, I'm really good with money, but I have to give myself a reality check every now and then. And like, you know, say, no, I don't need to do that. I invest in things like land, but I don't need to own the whole United States of America. So, <laughs> you know. No, no. What I was going to say was, you know, I come from a family where, you know, middle class, but at times we were doing OK and then times we was doing bad. But my mom worked, you know, like four jobs. Mm -hmm. My dad was a Vietnam veteran. He couldn't work because he's fighting for his disability. So I learned how to kind of manage money back then for my mom, just kind of like, you know, keeping things together. So once I started playing the NFL, they dump all this money on you once you get drafted. And I made some mistakes as far as getting into some investment deals with crooks. Yes. And I took off from a lot of money, 
But thank God that I had a really good career, got two nice contracts. So I weathered the storm. And if you look at the percentages on, you know, guys from when they retire out of the NFL, they say over 70 percent are going to go broke two to three years. And when you're playing and you got these checks, you're rolling in 200,000, 300,000, 400,000 every two weeks. You don't think that that's going to be you. And I'm looking at a lot of the guys that I play with now, they're downsizing, they're in townhouses now, they're in like small condos or whatever it may be. And God has blessed us, you know, to upgrade to a nice size house from the house that we had. And that was a nice size house as well. So, you know, just kind of, you know, watching my mom, how she strung things together, you know, she pulled here, pulled there and managed to get things done. So it's been a blessing for me. Yeah. Thank God for your mom and thank yeah. God for that example. And your wife, I didn't know I was getting, I know and Pamela right too. Right I could tell birds of a feather flock together. I could tell, oh, yeah. but you know, cause I'm married to a physician and they're horrible with money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Doctors are bad with money, but I have so many clients who are ex NFL players who didn't get to me before. And what you have to understand is if you weren't good with money before they start throwing all this money at you, how you think just all of a sudden you're going to be great with money after you get it? You carry those same bad money habits over. And the dirty secret that people don't realize is, is most wealthy people like most of my clients are politicians, business owners, celebrities, you know, folks of means who know that if I'm not saying, no, you can't do that, they ain't going to handle money later. And so unfortunately, like you said, you had an experience with a bad business manager, but there are good business managers out there who do look out for their clients. And my advice for people in that position is sign every check. Don't let nobody else sign your checks. Right. Absolutely. And then we'll tell you, we'll take care of all that. Nope. You can do all the spreadsheets all you want. Give me my profit and loss statements, do all that. But I'm signing every document. Right. Yes. Right. So Chris went through a, a really tumultuous situation and ended up, uh, partnering with some people in business, allowing people to kind of like manage the financial part. When I came on board, um, first of all, I didn't want to work for Chris because we were dating. And mm -hmm. I said, look, I don't ever want us to be in a position where if you decide that we shouldn't be together anymore or would have you, I don't want you to stay with me because I got your situation together and straight. I want you to know exactly what I'm doing. And I want you to be able to um, be able to be hands-on with it. So when I took over, um, his business and started managing everything for him years ago, I showed him everything that I did. I yeah. wanted him to understand exactly. We would meet even if it was once a week and sit down yeah. and I'm like, here's where your bills are. I had binders for each home yeah. and there's tabs yeah. for each, um, you know, for maintenance, there's tabs for taxes, there's a tab for everything so that he can access it. And it was very easy for him. If he had any question, if he wanted to know when's the last time a tax bill was paid, all he has to do is get that binder and flip a page. And, yeah. and tab. now uh, as people will soon realize, I'm, I'm a person who is all about a binder. Ain't <laughs> so, wrong with that. <laughs> a binder. So um, it, it helps us to be more, um, organized and for mm -hmm. us all to be aware of everything that's happening in the home. And these are some of the things that I actually learned from growing up. My dad was an entrepreneur as well. He had a trucking business. So while people think that I grew up in the hood, I actually grew up very well. Yeah, My truckers made great money. <laughs> My dad had, he had three uh, tractor trailer uh, trucks yeah. that he uh, ran. And, um, and he was bringing in some nice change to the point where he was able to buy us some of the nicer things, but he also did tell us how to save. He wouldn't let us spend but $20 a week out of our paycheck. And by the time I went to college, I had about $5,000 saved up just from working my little hustles from eighth grade on. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's the way to incent your kids to, to save. My family did the, if you save, we'll match it. And, you know, and, and we still do that with the nephews to this day. I mean, and then we also taught them about compound interest. And if you put this amount of money in this investment vehicle, when you're this um, old, you'll have X amount of dollars. And just explaining to them about making passive income and, um, you know, and making money while you sleep. You know, that's what it's all about. That, that mm -hmm. sleeping money is the best. Um, one thing that I want to talk about is how much of a person's check. If you had to break it down, even if it were by percentage, how much of a person's check should they be saving without hesitation or thought? How much of that should they be putting in their savings account each week when they get paid? 20 percent. OK. And I know some people think that's crazy, but for you crazy, but it's not, especially in this post-COVID world. Where we just don't know if you're going to lose your job tomorrow. I feel like everybody needs to have at minimum five years of what it costs you and your family to be you per month saved. 
it is that serious. Um, you know, and then we're in a new world now. It's just like, you know, we don't know. I mean, like Pinterest just broke a like $900 million lease for their corporate headquarters. Like if these companies that are doing well are doing this, us regular folks might need to scale down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and not be, you know, having lines wrapped down the building at Louis Vuitton uh, shopping right well, now. And not even just, yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, you're mentioning COVID. I, my husband was like, wow, you know, we're doing great with money right now. This was when everything was shut down. And he realized, oh, this is because you're not going out and spending money on, you know, $7 lattes a day. Like that adds up. And it's like, I didn't even realize that until I was forced to stop doing it as terrible right. as that is. I would always tell people, you know, um, little things are what adds up, not the big things you think is because you had to get your car fixed. No, it's because you were going to McDonald's three times a week and going to coffee book four times a day. And it's that little stuff adds up. And unfortunately, now in the post-COVID world, even though people can't go, unfortunately, they're using these delivery services. So it's the seven dollars plus the fee, yep. <laughs> yep. which is a trap. Yes, yeah, and that you, fee that fee is quite high mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. Now you spoke about you know the, the, the purses and stuff like that. You ain't going away anyway. You right. know, try to buy that stuff. Only thing I spend money on now is like DoorDash and Uber Eats, and that's it. And I'm good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, they're buying clothes and outfits and bags, and I ain't hating on nobody wanting to look cute. But where are you going? <laughs> well, but one thing you can buy is like some nice lingerie for your husband. And you're darn right. I agree. <laughs> happy husband, happy life. I That's agree. Right. I'm co-signing on that fully. Yeah, or or you can save even further and just go naked. Go naked. They don't they don't want nothing on us anyway, right, Money? Uh, 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 we can skip <laughs> all of that old lingerie stuff. You right. so much, for us. I have so much lingerie in my closet that has been hanging since we got married because right. we don't even have the patience to wait. Yeah. <laughs> what you doing? I don't need I don't need all that. <laughs> right. I really I want to go into uh what you said about needs versus wants. Yeah. I think this is a huge one and when Chris was he, he before Chris retired, which was 10 years ago, he had already said he wanted to retire 3 years prior. Good. So, as soon as I heard him speak those words, I called up the financial advisor and I said, "Hey, Chris is sounding like he wants to retire. I said, he says this every year, but this year seemed a little different. I said, so what I would like to do is make sure that when that time does come, we don't have bills that are so high. So I want to start paying off things now. So yeah. I give him the heads up. So over the next three years, what we started doing was um, taking money that were in short-term investments. And we were using some of that money to pay off some of the mortgages and the cars or whatever. This way we don't take a hit for pulling the money out too soon. So I, a lot of people don't understand investments and how it works. People look at us and think that we just have a million dollars sitting in our bank account. And I always have to explain that, no, when you tie your money up in investments, you have short-term, long-term. And if you pull that money out too soon, then you're for it. <laughs> and that too. Yeah. So you got to do things uh, as according to a plan. We know exactly how much it costs annually to uh, run our homes, our main household, and all of our expenses for us, for the kids. And that's how we budget our year out. So I'm not budgeting for when... Uh, you know, a person comes asking, oh, can you lend me $10,000? No, I didn't budget for that. No. I, first of all, we don't lend money. <laughs> and second, we ain't budget for that. So mm -hmm. recognizing needs versus wants are so huge. And I would love for you to elaborate on that a little bit more so that people can really start to, to let this soak in so they can apply some of these things that we're talking about. Well, I just want to get into the fact that I'm in love with y'all. Child, y'all don't need a business manager. Like, what? <laughs> no black excellence. I'm so very proud. <laughs> because when you because when you know what it costs you to be you per per household a year and you're approaching retirement, you can make sure you got enough money put up to take care of that without having to make any more money, right? 
when you're in a position like that. Additionally, you can also take some of your investments and maybe put them in some vehicles that pay you monthly to cover those monthly expenses. So you're not touching your actual money. And so I just applaud y'all for being so well organized and and, and understanding. And honey, you got Chris, you better not go nowhere, honey. You got got the wife of the century, boo. Um, Ain't no no doubt about it. She is a blessing. I mean, yes. It's crazy because I've never worked a job outside of the NFL until I went back to college and then Nick Saban hired me as player development. And I was really just mentoring guys, breaking down some film and stuff like that. So a lot of this stuff I didn't know. I didn't understand about the taxes and all that stuff. Monito, I came in and kind of taught me a lot of that stuff. Then I got a better understanding. So, you know, a lot of people, they sit back. I even had two mates, because Monique is beautiful, questioning, you know, why yeah. she's with you, you know, insinuating that she's with me, you know, and has a motive. But at the end of the day, Monique held it down when I went through some hard times and lost some big money. I'll be straight up with y'all. It was like $4 million I lost. Yeah, yeah. I was robbing in, in a real estate venture, and this guy was like my second father figure, an African-American man that i know for years, my next-door neighbor, and he's dead now. And him and his partner that he went to school with, they ran game on me. And to be honest with you, I was on it because he wanted to get power attorney right away. And I was trained through the NFL. You never do that. No. On it, I would sign my own checks. I was on top of it, even though I was running the streets, not paying attention. And then when my brother came on board, I really got relaxed. So mm-hmm. then I let my brother kind of handle things. And at that particular time, I'm running wide open in the streets, having fun, party. I'm living the NFL lifestyle. And then by the time I woke up, I'm in a hole. I'm finding out, whoa, these dudes, they've been ganking me the whole time. Yeah. And- Started dating, and that's when we started dating. So, and you know, got good <laughs> because, but Monique made a great point to me at the time. I was making so much money, if I'd have lost like two hundred thousand dollars, you wouldn't have missed it. No big deal, yeah. You sit on my butt and take that and swallow that big hit, mm-hmm. and that made me actually say, Whoa, I better tighten up because, like I said, I got teammates right now that's literally struggling, and I feel bad for them, I pray for them, but you know. I'm upgrading instead of downgrading. So Monique helped me get a grip on everything. Yeah. And 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 first of all, tell the people to get out folk marriages in their lives and, and wondering why people together. Folks are together because they have mutual love and respect for each other. And Chris ain't hard on the eyes. What the hell are they talking about, right? <laughs> why they you acting like you married a Grinch or something. But anyway, <laughs> child, they do the same with me and my husband. I'm like, okay, don't be worried about what's going on over here. We've been together 20 good years. <laughs> You know, right. you know when you you know when you find your soulmate. I'm gonna grab right. a soulmate real quick, y'all. See, door dash. Ain't nothing wrong with that. So, 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 um, needs versus wants. Needs yeah. are things that you cannot live without, like a roof over your head, clothing, not new clothing, just something to cover your body. <laughs> Food yeah. and water, you need to be able to eat, right? Like people need to break it down to the basics, it, you know, and not like all these extra things that society, they, society, I call society, they tells yeah. you through advertising and marketing that you need to survive or to appear that you're surviving. And people need to quit looking at Instagram so darn much because that's curated art of the best things that people want other people to see is going on in their life that may not be true. Everybody's not always on vacation. Everybody's not always, you know, balling out of control. Some of these people are in restoration hardware filming like that's their house. Like don't believe the hype. And, yeah. and, and, and so, you know, wants are, are emotional things that you, you want to have. And I don't say that people can't ever have wants, but you got to get your foundation right. Get that five years of what it costs you and your family to be you saved. And then you budget to have wants. Like as long as you crawl before you ball, it's fine. I didn't say you got to crawl and limp to a miserable, boring death, but crawl and then you can ball, which just means budget a little bit. Um, Something else Monique said, but it'll come back to me. It was a good point. It'll come back to me in a minute. I had a question. You know, one thing I was going to say um, with you, Buffy, I like it because you can talk that talk and then you can talk the other talk. I got know, it. <laughs> in the corporate world and then mm-hmm. to the everyday folks, you know, so right. I like that. And, and that way you, you handle your business a little bit better. You're, you're Appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like sitting here like learning so much. So my husband's like thrilled that this is the topic today because he's <laughs> He's like, he's amazing with money. I mean, just amazing. He's super organized. And I'm 
still learning. Um, but I did, I did want to ask you about when it comes to relationships, you know, I have some friends who believe in separate accounts from their partner, some who have merged one, but also have their separate. Is it to each their own or is there a way that you recommend? So um, it's to each their own. And, but in my, I'll tell you my personal experience, when I met my husband, he was still a resident and I started my businesses very early um, and so I presented him with a prenuptial agreement um, and he signed happily. And my husband comes from a wealthy family, but I had businesses and I owned five rental properties and I just didn't want some messy drama to go down if something were to happen. Um, I feel like everybody should have a prenup just because even if you don't have a lot of assets, just because if somebody cheat on somebody or something go down, we're just too messy and nasty. And ain't nobody got time for all that. Just have it already figured out. So it's yep. just a clean break. Everybody can go their separate ways and it's not a snapped episode. So so, you know, I, 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 I do believe, however, <laughs> in separate bank accounts. I do believe in having a marital account that is for the expenses and all that. And then having my bank account for my whatever I want to do and his account for whatever he wants to do. Because I think when it's all combined and somebody got a debit card here and somebody got a debit card there, that's when all those fees add up. That's when tomfoolery occurs. And what we do is we deposit what it costs us to be us to the marital account. And then we pay each other an allowance to our personal accounts each month. And we use those to do whatever we want to. Plus, if you want to buy your spouse a present, you don't want them to be able to log into the credit card statement and see what you bought them. You know what I mean? Like, you, it's okay to have separate. But give yourself, you guys figure out within your budget what you're going to spend to get your hair done, get your nails done, buy Xbox games, whatever, per month, and put that in your separate accounts. Was, okay. that, was that a shot when you said Xbox games? Was that a shot at somebody? Yes, my husband. I just got I, I just I just got him to PlayStation 5, so I'm the best wife in the world right now. I saw that oh. on your Instagram. <laughs> I want one so bad because I used to be a big gamer back in the day and then I got away from it because life hit with family and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting that PlayStation 5. But it's yeah, exactly when you and David can play each other, I'll send y'all his um his his, his ad. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He yes, plays with refuse every day. <laughs> I tell people all the time, because um, Chris and I have a prenup, and to me, the prenup protected me more so than him, because I'm the person that is walking into with the, I always say, I'm the I'm the doer, I'm the one that knows how to make everything happen, and he's the one providing, providing the resources. Mm -hmm. So for me, I made sure years ago, we got married eight years ago, I made sure that I put my potential businesses that yes. would be uh founded during our marriage and um we, we don't have separate accounts but we do have our business accounts yes my business accounts um because i'm on reality tv all of my glam that's write-offs you know mm -hmm. so i use those accounts to pay for hair makeup all of those different things and keep track of everything and honestly our personal account the only thing that comes out of there are our bills and yeah. food you know yeah. even when we travel we always try to take at least one or two big trips a year um, and, and that's what we like to spend our money on. We love to be able to go somewhere. So yeah. I would much rather go somewhere than buy a, a pair of red bottoms or a purse. Honestly, that's right. what I like to spend my money on experiences. And then you guys use your um, I talked about this recently on um, uh, on my social media about a lot of people don't realize that debit cards suck. <laughs> Yeah. And that you should use credit card for your everyday expenses yeah. um, because debit cards and I could talk about debit cards and them being the bane of my existence for hours and hours. But the banking industry came up with those as an okie doke because, you know, you will swipe and swipe like it's a credit card and you don't realize that that's money being deducted from your checking account. Right. right. Whereas with a, with a credit card, you know, there's a defined limit. And so when you swipe with that, you're, you're deducting it. And, and, and no, there's a defined limit in your bank account. But for some reason, with a debit card, it just does not work that way with people. And back when we were able to still give cash when we would shop, I would tell people, say your budget. If you go into the market, take $100 in cash. Something physically happens to you mentally when you have to give away that cash and you mm -hmm. see how much you're left with. You may say, oh, I don't actually need this and put some things back. Mm -hmm. But if you're swiping, you don't see that being taken from you. And so, you know, I hate debit cards and because they're getting rid of cash. So I can't really tell people we go into a cashless society to use cash anymore. But use your credit card for protection in case there's some fraud. 
Because, you know, with a debit card, they're going to hold up your money for 90 days investigating. Use a, a credit card to build your credit. And then I tell people to go home after you charge on that credit card and pay the bill off. Same day. Just pay like you do with that debit card. Because yeah. it's going to take how much your account with a debit card anyway the same. So you're showing you can repay debt over time with a credit card, which helps you, you know, get lower interest rates and on and so forth. That makes sense. Yes. No, that, that makes absolute sense. And I, I do enjoy those travel reward benefits. Points. What a point. Yes, man. Oh, yeah. Those points are amazing. Mm -hmm. That's really good. So um, it's crazy because you hit on it just briefly earlier about having multiple streams of income. And when I tell you, <laughs> some people just don't understand how to even get to the point where they can develop that. How they can have, you you know, if you have your nine to five, that's fine. But there's other things that you can still do behind the scenes, whether it's a Shopify. Shopify makes it so easy now. You can have your whole yeah. online store. Taxes, everything. It's great. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. So how, what is your advice for people who want to get to a point of having multiple streams of income? And how can they, I guess, creatively figure out for themselves, how do I, how do I start this? What's the first move? How do I develop that um, ability? to be able to be paid in, you know, different areas. So again, it has to be something that you're passionate about. It can't be, oh, I see these people are doing it. So I'm going to do it and think that it's going to be great for me because it'll show in, in your, in your commitment to that product. And then also, you know, um, you know, get up at five o'clock every morning. I'm going to just take it back to being real. You can't sleep all day. Yeah. You know, if you if you're trying to if you're trying to build generational wealth and have six, seven multiple streams of income, you're going to have to be up early because that's what I'm sure we all have in common. <laughs> we get up early every day and we get at it. Um, you know, write it down. It doesn't have to be some formalized business plan, but state specific goals and hold yourself accountable. And then there are lots of resources with the SBA um, where they'll teach you, you know, what you need to do. There are all sorts of grants out there to help you start businesses. And the problem is people just don't want to read, child. They don't want to read. They don't want to research. They don't want to put in the work. And it, you know, it's it, it it really isn't that daunting of a task if you get out there and you really do the research. And now that we had an internet, because I'm older than y'all, um <laughs> I remember when there was no internet. I remember right. you had to take your behind to the library, Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> and, <laughs> and find some stuff. Now you can just get on a computer and instead of um, you know, uh gaming all day, Dr. Purcell, who ain't here right now. <laughs> You know, dedicate a specific time of your day to research the businesses that interest you and, you know, put in the work. And it doesn't really cost that much money nowadays, real talk, because you can do everything online and from home. And, you know, there's some great resources out there that will help you make your small business look like a real business. Yes. Um, and I'm happy to send you some of those links if you want to put them up later for your um, viewers. That would be amazing. But yeah, that that is definitely my number one uh, piece of advice to people when they're asking me, like how when you were, you know, starting your first business, what did you do? I researched and then I wrote. like it's all about knowing in this day and age, people do not like to read. No. Um, I was able to self-publish my book about potty training, potty training, mommy, mommy and daddy. And the reason why I self-published is because. I was going to use these different companies that you see online that say, we do it from start to finish. You write your manuscript. We'll take it from there. And they were trying to charge all this money. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Let me find out how much it costs to get an ISBN number. Mm -hmm. Why are they telling me I have to pay $900 for nope. an ISBN number? Nope. And I found out how much it costs. I was like, oh, heck no. I was on a whole, I went down a rabbit hole. Literally yeah. getting all of the details, finding out so much of what they were trying to charge me was actually free. Yeah. And I got my own um, uh, ICCN number from the Library of Congress free. Like yep. the ISBN, you buy 10 for $200. I was like, all right, well, let me go ahead and get all 10 of them because I'm right. going to have the books and other right. versions. So I'm going to just do it that way. But a lot of people, they limit themselves because they don't want to do the research. If you want to start a business, no matter what that business is about, work within that field so that you understand. I was able to help Chris with his real estate issues because I was already into real estate. I had yeah. a real estate appraisal company years ago. And I um this actually will segue right into my money aha moment. Back then, um I was still I, I knew about saving, 
But mm-hmm. when I started pulling in big money. Some yeah. of was making ten thousand dollars a month doing real estate appraisals, and I was only working two weeks out of the month. The other two, yes. weeks, I was like, "This knucklehead right what here." What was that? Two thousand eight, two thousand nine, the good old it days. Actually, before that, it was y'all two thousand six, two thousand seven, when the market was really booming. Before the end yeah. of the world came, yeah, and then it crashed. And yeah, I owned a mortgage brokerage firm, so I love my appraisers, honey. I kept Ooh. y'all busy. Yes. Oh, money, I was you making were work, that money. You were like three days a week, and then the rest of the days we'd be partying. Yes. Yeah, I get good money. I loved it. That was my first experience um, as an adult where I was able to like set my own schedule. Yeah. I made as much money as I wanted to make. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was no yeah. limit. And I loved it. But when I got to the point where the market crashed, I will never forget. I went from doing like 30, 40 appraisals a month to doing maybe one. Yeah. And I mean, it was bad. Yeah. So I was able to live for a few months off of what I made over the few months prior, but I had lent out so much money. I had given so much money away to my friends. I was paying for everything. I was being way too nice. Mm-hmm. And that's the point where when I started struggling, wasn't nobody there. So I said, you know what? This taught me a very powerful lesson. I need to make sure I always save. And even when I think I have so much, yeah. I don't need to spend just because my palm's getting itchy. Right. That was that was definitely a money aha moment. I know this son is like, like I'm gonna try to just me a out. little bit, but yeah, um, I literally got to the point where it taught me so much. So when Chris and I started um our whole venture together, and I was trying to help him fix his whole issue, it was everything that I had went to went through prior helped me to understand and how to proceed moving forward with him. I was way more responsible over my money, so I'm even more responsible over his. Yeah, so it was it was a blessing in disguise, and I'm grateful for those moments. So. I just say that story just to tell people who are listening right now, if they've gone through some money issues or they had their money aha moment, don't be discouraged. You know, just learn from whatever you might have messed up on. So the next time when it comes around and you're you're bringing in that big income, you'll be more responsible over it. You know, yeah, I I invested. I invested in so many different business ventures that maybe didn't do well. And but the thing about it is, yeah, I lost money, but I learned so much about business. I learned what I shouldn't do through those trials and tribulations. And one of the things that you touched on earlier about people who want to start a business is research it and work within that field. Very, very important point. When I um, first started my first tax practice and I come from a family of people, my family has now 20 tax practices all over the country, but I wanted to be different than them. So I went and worked for H&R Block for a couple of tax seasons. So I could see how they did things. And, you know, I think people don't want to do that. They don't want to be seen like having to go. If you want to start a boutique, go work in a boutique. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Go, go, go learn the business and learn each part of the business so that you're setting yourself up for success later. We have to humble ourselves and learn every part of it, because if you don't know every part of it, that's how people rob you by yeah. Yes. yes. And no lending money. No, I'm glad you brought up you lent out money. If you're gonna bring it up later, I'll be quiet or I'll get on the lending money. <laughs> no, I really wanted to go down I that think, road. I think you should definitely yeah. go down that road because Chris and I had to get to a point where we don't lend. Mm-hmm. If we decide to give you something, we'll give it to you, but we do not lend money because it is not fair when I lend money out, and just because people think, oh, you have whatever. They think that they don't have to get my money back. They get mad with and you. They get, yeah, they get mad. How dare you? How dare you ask for the money back? You have so much. Yes, yes honey. Yes. So we, we go ahead. I was going to say, no, my, one of my best friends that I grew up with, I mean, we were really tight. And I hadn't talked to him in years because I'm still mad with him because he won't give me my money back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've, and I've, I've loaned him money so many times and never really got it back. Finally, after this time, I was just like, I'm done because you don't really care about me for real. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And they resent you because you have it to That's lend. Right. right. That's the thing we don't think about. They're mad because you have it to lend. So Dave and I had to have a come to Jesus moment about that in our family. And, um, you know, and it's funny. And, and I, you know, I'm married to a white boy. The white folk big and the black folk big, too. So <laughs> let it be known. Everybody, if you got some money, it doesn't matter what they color is. They're coming for you for the green. <laughs> so we, we had to come up with a, a come to Jesus moment. And I said, if people ask us in our family for money, we're not going to be cold hearted and not help them. You know, we're going to tell them we got all these damn businesses. Sorry, I cuss. Um, you can come work for it. 
you can come work in one of these businesses and earn the money. And guess what? People stop asking. <laughs> yes, I've offered so many jobs and nobody wants to take them. They don't want a job, honey. They don't want a job. The way that we monetize not for lazy moms is advertisement. So if I'm telling someone, hey, we have a live podcast coming up. If you want to make some money, find me a sponsor. I'll give yes. you a of the deal. Get right. a sponsor for me. If you if you can research some companies that would be uh, suitable to advertise on our website, if right. you find those companies and you bring me that deal and that deal closes, I will give you a percentage of whatever the deal was. And they'll just be like, oh, oh yeah, that, that sounds like <laughs> yeah, I ain't doing that. I, ain't trying to, I just asked you for a loan. You, I mean, you got it. I don't know why you can't help me with it. <laughs> one, one of the things that my family is discussing right now is micro lending within the family because it's so bad. Um, and so the people who have money, we, we are thinking about putting together a micro lending club, basically a family bank. And there's X amount of dollars that everybody uh, who is on the board will put into this bank. And then we're going to hire outside people. And when folks in the family need a loan, they have to go through the same parameters they would at some other place. And when they make their payments, we will report to the credit bureaus to help them rebuild their credit because the mess look a mess. And, you know, that'll incent them to pay it back. And so, you know, I'll let you know how that works out. <laughs> a lot of mad people. But that's pretty genius. <laughs> I, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because we need to help them rebuild their credit and this would be a good way to do it. And that also makes them pay it back. <laughs> it holds them accountable, no it doubt. Holds them accountable. Mm -hmm. And then they're not mad at you. There's no resentment. It's like, well, when they send you a text asking for the money, say, well, you need to go before the board for the micro lending. I don't have anything to do with it. I just make my monthly donation. It frees like you it. from it, right? Yeah. I like you that. might need to patent that idea. Ah, thank you. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I have a question about People who, because I've heard this so many times in people who I've worked with over the years, there is a fear from going from W-2 to 1099. There should be. And let me tell you, for me, I love a 1099. You're I, organized. You ain't the average bear girl. Oh, look, I, listen, I like the ability to be able to spend my money how I want and then tell the government, this is what you're going to get taxes from. You know, versus right. when you get a W-2, they're taking their money and they're saying, all right, now you live off the rest. And maybe right. we'll give you some back when February rolls around. Interest free. So, I'm going to give it back to you after I held it all year and did what I wanted to do with it. Right. right. So right. Can, you, can you break it down for people so maybe it could help ease that fear if yeah. that's suitable for them? Yeah. So a W-2 is wage-based pay. So if you get a nine to five and you get a pay stub every couple of weeks and they take out your taxes, they being your, your employer, they take out your taxes for you. If a, a 1099, you're deemed an independent contractor. And so you issue an invoice or are supposed to issue an invoice that is paid fully. So if you charge somebody $10,000, they pay you the $10,000 and nobody pays your taxes for you. The problem and the fear comes because most people aren't organized and they don't send in quarterly tax payments. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they, they make this contractor money. And then when tax time comes around, oh crap, I've made a hundred thousand dollars and I owe $20,000 in taxes and I don't have the money. That's where the fear comes in. But to Monique's point, I love a 1099 also <laughs> because I ain't trying to give Uncle Sam an interest-free loan. And I don't even, honestly, I make all my, I don't make quarterly payments to the IRS. I make one payment in the fourth quarter, which is January 15th, right before taxes are due because I know exactly how much I owe you behind. You can't charge me any penalty for not having made estimated tax payments and you didn't get to hold my money all year. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but you have to be incredibly disciplined to be able to do that. But yeah, a lot of people fear uh 1099 pay and they need to 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 start utilizing the 20% rule. Just put 20% of what you just on a flat end. A 20% of what you earn in an account for your taxes. The net amount. So if you make $100,000 and you spend $80,000 on expenses, put 20% of that $20,000 up for your taxes. Now, that's not accounting for your state. 
in Georgia, six percent. It matters wherever you are, but you can do the research and figure that out. Um, and then use software like QuickBooks. It's easy. It helps you with all that stuff. Um, more people are moving from wage-based pay to gig economy jobs anyway. Mm-hmm. Post-COVID, where you're going to be paid ten ninety-nine. So they're going to have to figure out the taxes. It's going to have to happen. Yeah, and and what I like about it is if you do have a, a high interest savings account. And you're putting that money into the savings account. There is another stream of income for you, yes, ma'am. Why? How did we not know each other before now? <laughs> Listen, I'm all about keeping my you're like my little sister. <laughs> I, yes, love it, ma'am. I, I connect with you on so many levels before we ever even had a conversation. I love it. It's just exciting. Make that money work for you. Yes. And a lot, you know, I, I when I was still preparing taxes in my practices. And clients would get refunds. New clients, I would fuss at them. I'm like, you just got $7,000 refund. Why are you happy? Because I, this is good money. I'm like, it's your money that the government was holding all year, interest-free. You know what you could have made on this money if you invested it during the year? And like, just getting people to change that mindset. And I would force my clients to change their W-4 during their tax appointment. I was like, you ain't claiming enough. We're going to add two more on here. Because <laughs> you don't need to be giving them all this money every pay period. Yeah. Yes. That is so key what you just said, because that's what I'm all about. Changing the mindset. It's mm-hmm. it's possible. It's you just have to change the way you think about money and the way you look at things. Yeah. You look at your needs versus your wants and everything else. Right. Oh, man, I, I'm loving this. This whole this whole episode has just been giving me life. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. This is great because I even with me uh still actively you know, putting all that I have into not for lazy moms and then understanding the different ways to monetize it. One thing that I, when I decided to start this platform, I have like a huge vision and I I, I literally have a 10 year plan and I just yeah. check off what it is I want to do. And I try to spend the least amount of money as I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And I also try to set it up to the point where if I decided to kind of like scale back, I can, it will still exist. Not for lazy yeah. moms will still be able to be online helping people, which is the initial goal. So um, to the people out there who have a passion, especially when your passion is to help somebody else, monetizing and the money will definitely follow. Just keep focusing on what your vision is. And for me, it's what we're doing right now, giving free information to people who can take it, use it and grow from it. And this is what this is what gets me going. Like I'm me too. Me too. The, the speech that I always give to new clients who come to me who want to start a small business, and I'll make it really brief. But the the end of it, and I cry every time I say it, is there are no obstacles. That's made up. You know, everybody tells us, oh, you can't do this because you look this way. You can't do that because you don't have this money. There are no no obstacles. They don't exist. That's something that people put in your head. And when you believe in yourself and you say and speak it into existence and you really believe it and you work your behind off, you can do anything in this world. You can. A lot of people had these roadblocks because people say, oh, no, you're a black woman. You ain't going to be able to do this or you whatever. Don't believe the hype. You know, speak it into existence, believe in yourself and realize that there are no obstacles. There truly aren't. There people try you and then you, you know, like, like uh, uh, our soon to be vice president elect says, I eat no for breakfast every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to speak something to you. I'm going to win the lottery. <laughs> now you know don't play the lottery you know i'm gonna get a, i hate the lottery <laughs> uh, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm gonna wake up every day at, uh, at five o'clock and just say play on them certain numbers i'm gonna win the lottery <laughs> and that's and that's how you donate back to the government <laughs> i say the lottery is a tax on the poor i tell my family all the time don't do it <laughs> but i get you chris no, yes <laughs> i know you get it Allie, do you have any any uh tips or any suggestions that you wanted to throw out there I I feel like you've been incredibly just helpful and you're just such a great resource for our not for lazy moms community. It's been, this has been amazing. Like I have been taking notes and have learned a lot. So thank you. you. (laughs) Yes, this is great. So I think um, we, I mean, you threw out so many tips, Buffy. I I don't think we even need to rehash them. If y'all need some tips, y'all need to press rewind and just listen and watch over again because y'all are getting tips and confessions the entire episode. And actually my confession for this week was what we just discussed, which was I had to stop lending money years ago because I hate when people borrow money and, and then look at me like I've insulted them when I'm asking for it back. It's it's my money. And then I see you out buying whatever you want to buy with my money. Like, give it back to me. Now, 
you know it's crazy because going back to my one of my partners loan him all of his money and then every time i see him he hires a kite i'm just like well dang like you couldn't yeah. take your off and pay me my money back I mean, right right just a shame just a shame so am i doing a confession money would you like to i would love to sure. and my husband would be very happy i am frugal to a fault like we'll just i don't know it's 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 when i when i i practice what i preach i really do but I recently really wanted a certain person. I bought myself a Birkin. Yeah. <laughs> yes. for you. That's a big deal for me. Yes. No, that's I, a confession. I like that. I like that because you do have to treat yourself every that's now and then. Balance. Yeah, you got to have a balance because, you know, my car, old Bessie just died. I was driving a 13 year old car. And my husband's like, enough. I'm proud of you. I'm sick and tired of you driving that beat up car. And he just killed my car and bought me another car. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I love it because this one right here has his truck parked outside right now because he needs to get a new one. And uh -huh. he's sitting there for months. And COVID. I keep... COVID. No, it's not COVID. <laughs> Actually, the time Honest to buy the time He's to buy a car was a few months ago. Like the price mm -hmm. is really low. I said, go ahead and get a new truck. Yeah, it's still nothing. It just sits there. Just don't take that the wrong way. That wasn't permission for me to get it. It's oh just, no, no, no. Yeah, no, I, I want to make that be clear. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. It's ma it's yeah marriage. No, but my <laughs> husband for years was trying to get me to get rid of old Bessie, and I was like, she crank every day. I don't care. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Mine will crank up, but it ain't gonna go fast. <laughs> Hot mess. Hot mess. No, this was excellent. Buffy, let everybody know how to find you, where to find you on uh online and on, on social media. Sure. So I have a new YouTube channel called Just Being Buffy. So please subscribe. And we um we drop financial gems every Sunday at 3 p.m. Um, and you can find me at uh, justbeingbuffy.com is my website. And then I'm a big TikToker. So um, I'm Buffy Purcell on TikTok and on Instagram, I am Buffy Purcell. That's well, awesome. actually, I'm just being Buffy on TikTok. Whoops. And then I'm Buffy for sale on um, Instagram. But yeah, awesome. if you go to my website, it's all there. <laughs> and I'll make sure I list it below on our YouTube channel as well so that y'all will have links to be able to find Buffy. Uh, give us some comments. Let us know some feedback. This was an amazing episode. I'm so excited. A moment of silence to everyone who just wants to make that financial change and change their mindset. Start looking at money differently so that you can become financially free. A moment yep. of silence. And that's our show. Thank y'all so much. And we will see y'all next week.